on this episode of Times Like Now. What would movies be without special effects makeup? The monsters just aren't as scary without some blood and guts. My guest today is Christina Cordum of Ravenous Studios. She's been making scary monsters in TV, movies, and haunted houses for nearly 15 years. Today on this episode of Times Like Now. Hello, Christina. Welcome in to, uh, to Times Like Now. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I wanted to start talking about your background and how did you get into the wonderful, wacky, wild world of, <laughs> of makeup and uh, effects makeup for film, TV, etc. How did you get into this world? Oh, it was completely and utterly by accident, believe it or not. Um, I was not planning a career in this at all. I, I didn't know that you could get a career in this. I mean, I was always, you know, I was a typical kid growing up in the 70s and 80s. You know, I saw Star Wars as a child and went, oh, wow, cool, you know, and lost my mind like every other kid in the 70s when Star Wars came out and, you know, grew up on a, you know, diet of alien and, you know, Terminator, Predator, you know, all these, all these movies that came out. Um, but also, you know, never ending story and just, there's just a lot of really cool stuff when I was growing up that I was fascinated by and really interested by. I was obsessed with puppets. Um, but I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area and I didn't know you could actually have a career in these things. I mean, Lucasfilm was there, but it was mostly, you know, sound and visual effects design. And there was no, you know, there was filming in San Francisco for things, but there wasn't really where I grew up was like the suburbs. I never knew of any film crews filming around. So just the idea of a film career working in film, it seemed very far away, seemed very much like LA was the only place it was happening. And, um, you know, I was just a poor kid growing up, just trying to figure out my way creatively. And, you know, I, got into art and I got into different stuff. Um, but I always loved Halloween and I always went nuts with my Halloween costume. And I think that was the start of it. That was, I'd get so excited every Halloween to transform myself. I was shy. I was gawky. I was bullied a lot. And Halloween was like the one day I got to be someone else. So it was a huge thing for me, um, to dress up on Halloween. And I'm, I think it was the fourth or fifth grade. I started making my own costumes and they were weird. <laughs> They were just very strange costumes with references to characters that didn't exist. Um, because I also, I wanted to be a writer growing up. That's what I wanted to do. Never since I was in, you know, a child, I wanted to be a writer. So I wrote stories in my head. I wrote stories for class and competitions. And then I started doing these Halloween costumes that were based on these wacky characters. So I think that's where it started. But the accident happened. Um, when I, I think the first real push into makeup effects was I was walking through a haunted house in one of my costumes after work. And I think I, you know, had my costume on for like the office party. And as I walked through, security kept yelling at me. They kept saying, go back to your room. And I was like, this is not what? And I was just very confused. I think it was like 19 or 20. I, I was just like, what's going on? And, you know, and, and they kept like yelling at me, everything, you know, big giant security guards yelling at me. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And finally they figured it out. I was a customer. 
And they were really embarrassed because they, my costume and makeup were such, they thought I worked there. And uh, finally a guy approached me, he goes, I'm, we're really embarrassed. We thought you were, you know, uh, basically One a, of us. an actor on the loose, <laughs> which owning a haunted house now. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I, I've chased down actors that had just decided to wander. So I totally get what was going on now, but um, they're like, uh, sorry, we thought you were an actor. And I was like, no, I'm just, walking through and they're like do you want to work here i was like is that a possibility and they're like well you know we're a charity haunted house why don't you come back you know tomorrow and i was like really i was so excited so i came back and i started acting in haunted houses that's how i started the makeup came because i got tired of having poorly done makeup you know, because haunted houses it's a lot of people that are rushed or you know the beginners so i started doing my own makeup and then at some point, the makeup department head came over and he's like, you're getting pretty good. You want to join the makeup team? So I ended up joining the makeup team. But it was my, I only did makeup and acting and construction and painting and all this stuff. I got into everything at the haunt. Um, but I only did it during October. I never did it outside of then. But How did you get into the, into the film and video? What was your first uh, venture into that? And about what well, time? Yeah. So actually, the haunted house helped me with that. I had a friend call up and he said, Hey, I know you do haunted house makeup with blood and stuff. And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, Well, I'm doing a music video and the makeup artist I hired doesn't want to do the blood. I'm like, Well, okay, I'll come do the blood. <laughs> so I came and helped with his music video. And the makeup artist, who was a union makeup artist, she said, Hey, um, you've got half a brain. I'm double booked. You want to come with me to the next film I'm working on? And I'm like, sure. You know, she's like, oh, it's up the hill. Let's go. So I ended up volunteering for three days on like a, a little indie short film. And, uh, I loved it. I was like, I was 30. I was in my thirties. I think I was 33 or 34. And I was like, Oh my God, this is my people. Like, I love the organization of it. I love just everything about it. I just, felt I've never felt that way of like at home if that makes sense working anywhere I've never felt like oh I completely fit in this makes sense to me this whole system makes sense and I loved it I loved every moment it was great but after four days it ended and I thought oh that that was fun <laughs> I have no idea how to keep doing that but she called me up two weeks later and she said go buy a makeup kit you're on a movie and I'm like but I don't know how to do film makeup. And she's like, you're a quick learner and you're good at faking it. You'll be fine. <laughs> so I, you know, she helped me pick out some colors and uh, thank God, you know, she, I had no idea what to do. I had no idea where to buy the stuff or any of it. Um, but she helped me pick out some makeup for the actors. And then uh, partway through the film, they said, Hey, you know, we got to bash someone's head in with a rock. Can you do something? And I said, uh, maybe I ran home, pulled out books. This was before YouTube. Kids are so spoiled now. You just type a few sentences and you can have full instructions on how to do effects. Now back then, you know, you got like books from the library. So I, uh, I just in desperation read a couple books and, and went okay and figured it out and brought something to set. And he's like, Oh, that's pretty good. You want to stab somebody in the head? next week <laughs> so it just kind of it just kind of like i don't know just kind of 
that is the nature of, of yeah one huh i was gonna say that is the kind of the nature of the industry where yeah. you know one job leads to the next where you meet some more people and you exactly. you know get your next job and then you you know impress some more people and you get another call randomly out of the out of the blue exactly. sky so that yeah that is that is the education that is uh learning <laughs> learning on the road um Exactly, and and and, and a, I suppose a lot of peers uh, that helped and that taught you things along the way. Uh, that's a big not, part of it too. Not really, yeah. But that was the that's the thing that's been the hardest. Um, in Portland at the time, the one guy that was doing effects in town moved to L.A. So I partially got to do this career because there was nobody. There wasn't really anyone doing effects in Portland at the time. And there was, you know, makeup artists, but I didn't get to work under anyone. I, I just ended up getting recommended for this gig and that gig. So it was really stressful. Like the first five years was horrible because I was constantly just having to reinvent the wheel because I had no, I had a mentor that taught me in beauty a little bit, but I mean, I worked two gigs with her and then after that I was on my own. So it was a really constantly reading magazines or any videos I could get or just trying to pay attention as much as I could at trade shows um, and just trying to figure it out before someone, you know, screamed at me fraud, you know, <laughs> every gig I went to, I expected someone to come in and go, you fraud, you, you're fraud. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd be exposed for the self-top maniac I was, but, um, yeah, I wish I had a, an effects mentor back then. Um, I really did have to reinvent the wheel a lot. Um, so I, I learned slower, I think, than if I had gone to a makeup school. But I didn't have money to go to a makeup school. I was supporting a family. And, um, you know, we were going through a recession at the time. You know, it was it was craziness. So I just kept moonlighting on these gigs and just telling people, hey, I've never done an exploding head, but I'll try, you know. And was honest with my skill level and just kind of said, ah, I've never done that before. I'll, I'll give it a shot. So, so someplace where, um, so someplace where, where people have seen your work, that is many uh, have probably seen your work was in Grimm. Yes. I was on that show for six years. And I would say of all the places where I learned stuff, that is where I really did get training. I had some really awesome people I worked with that uh, are legends in the business. And I was lucky enough to, you know, rub elbows and uh, basically watch them like a hawk, <laughs> trying to pick up every trick and tip I could. And uh, it was a bit trial by fire at times, you know, cause here, you know, all these guys have been doing it for 35 years. And, you know, here I am this person that's only done like haunted house makeup and some, you know, films local films indie films so it was it was it was a trial by fire at times but i learned a ton and um you know gave it my best effort and and in a reward i got to apply some of the makeups and that was really for me as a total film geek and nerd huge huge honor to be able to do stuff for a show yeah and a and a great show the the makeup of was of course the i think the best part of that show and I think I like the show very much um uh, but yeah the the makeup of it was was the best part I watched it to you know look for friends of mine and and uh, oh I know that guy or um 
So some other projects that you have worked on in the past, besides Grimm, uh, there was a, a Gnarls Barkley video I saw on Facebook, some work you did. Uh, did you work on that? I don't know. I mean, I did make him that custom gold mask that was an internet sensation for a while. <laughs> he wore it to the Grammys with this crazy gold outfit and uh, made the news. And uh, that was a little, that was a wild experience. I, I've never, that was my first like kind of experience with something going viral. And it's kind of scary. Um, I felt very honored that he let my little small company make that, you know, and I had some people down in LA help me out with that. Uh, Ojala effects actually was kind of a person I roped into help running it and stuff like that. Cause I was actually on the movie bad Samaritan at the time. Um, so, you know, we sculpted it here in, um, in Oregon and we also did all the led programming and, wiring and all that stuff and the the kind of the design of it you know just how it all worked and then um luckily for me uh Jim Ojala was available and he was he was able to make the mold and and run the silicone part of it and then we I came to LA and we assembled it and tried it on CeeLo and he loved it we did a black version like a gray black kind of Batman mask sort of version. And then we also did the gold version, but the gold version was the one that kind of went crazy. <laughs> how exactly, uh, how exactly might somebody find that if they wanted to YouTube Google that, if they haven't seen it? Oh, it um, if you just Google CeeLo gold, gold mask, you will find it. There are, it was a meme for a while. It just <laughs> kind of, kind of went crazy and you know, TMZ was trying to hunt me down and it was just weird and crazy and wild, but it was a, a really fun project. Um, he, I really have a lot of respect for that man's creativity. He is a, like almost childlike in his love for doing creative stuff. And it was really neat to meet him and work with his team and just kind of get a sense of his creativity, which is just, he's, op he's like, I love meeting adults that are just open to try new things and, and being creative and getting outside the box. It's kind of a rare thing to meet those folks nowadays. It, I suppose sometimes, except in the film industry, there's probably a few more, but speaking of which, uh, one of your models that I see quite often on Facebook is your husband. Um, yes. <laughs> Poor is guy. that not, uh, is that not your husband in the Bigfoot? It is. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, so, my husband is a very good professional SAG actor and you know what? I love putting makeup on him. He's actually got the per perfect skin for makeup and it's wonderful to put somebody into makeup that gets it. Um, a lot of people think you can slap prosthetic makeup on just anyone and it will, you know, oh, it'll work. You know, he's seven feet tall. He can totally do it. No, it takes an actual person that understands mask work and understands theatrics and understands, emote like a exaggerated emoting to really wear you know prosthetics i am so lucky in that i'm married to someone that can do that <laughs> so you know a lot of times you know i i put forth that i know someone i have their castings and to audition them and he he always knocks it out of the park so it's worked out really well we always get excited when we can work together um and we get a gig together and we've gotten a few now he was also an orc <laughs> 
<laughs> a few other commercials and different stuff. So it's always exciting when somebody likes his acting and we can work together. Um, but we joke that he's the giant experiment because I'm always like, honey, can I try this on you? And, you know, wringing my hands like an old school villain. <laughs> so he's, he, I'm lucky he loves me. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the, uh, what was that from the, was that the, the, the orc was from the Xbox. Yes. Commercial, correct. wasn't it? No, there, no, there was multiple, this is crazy. Multiple commercials for different stuff. I'm trying to remember. It was actually an add on box to it. So I've done now two works for video game components to systems, but it was my earlier orc. They wanted a more cartoony, crazy orc. And we also did like a wizard and just a bunch of other characters, a zombie. That was a commercial that also had a vegetarian zombie in it, <laughs> which sounds strange, but he rocked it. So well, they, they, don't the vegetarian zombies say grains? Grain. <laughs> Right. Exactly, exactly. It was really fun writing and really silly. And there's a scene with carrots that had me in stitches. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's great whenever we get to do stuff like that in town. Um, the Sasquatch was one we did for actually a sub company in Wisconsin. That sub, makeup was sub, twisted subs was initially why that Sasquatch costume came to be. So, the uh, website for you is ravenous studios yes ravenous studios.com ravenous i'm sorry i was thinking of the bird <laughs> it's okay. it's ravenous like you're hungry yeah yes. actually my my son named the company because we were having the whole you know five thousand names and we couldn't decide on one he was like how about ravenous because you're really hungry to do this and we we're like okay so i blame him and it's entirely so scary and it, and it sounds scary and and yeah, yeah, that's it's a great name as well. Um, the haunted houses that you've been doing in Portland at the Memorial Coliseum. How long yes. have you been doing that? And and did you mention that 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 you own that or you run that? Is that yours? Uh, yes, actually. So we actually worked for another haunted house for my husband and I both worked for Fright Town for many years. I've been working for multiple, like I've worked for multiple haunts in the the Portland area. And um, we worked at the one at the Memorial Coliseum for five years. And when we heard it was going out, like it wasn't going to be at the Memorial Coliseum anymore, we kind of had a panic because it's been a tradition for so many years and it's such a great space. And um, basically called up a bunch of artists and people I knew and said, like, we can't let this happen because, you know, once somebody takes over that space, we're not going to ever have a haunt there again. Um, so we contacted the Memorial Coliseum and we're like, what does it take for us to put a haunted house on for you guys? And they're like, we're going to have to put it up in two weeks. <laughs> we're like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah, two weeks is what you have to throw up this haunted house. So the first year was rough in that we had to throw up. It's a 40,000 square foot space. And uh, we were scrambled and we found sets from, you know, indie movies that were donated. We, asked for costumes. We had all, you know, just a bunch of people from the film industry just chip in actually and throw this up in two weeks. And uh, it was our first outing. We learned a lot about sound and sound systems. It was rough. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing, um, but we, you know, pulled it together. And that was the first year was, it was called the beneath. Um, 
But the second year we kind of got our ducks more in a row and we came out properly and it was a much better year. And we learned a ton and we had a, a real crew that year, not just like begging family and friends, please come down. We just need more ghouls. Um, but that was called Underhill Haunted House. And that is still, we're still there at the Memorial Coliseum. We had the shutdown due to COVID. So that, that was a huge bummer. Um, but we just couldn't see how to do it safely in these kind of situation. I mean, especially since you're not supposed to be exhaling, exhaling your breath and screaming is just a bad situation, I think, in general with this, this airborne sort of thing. So we had the shutdown, but we'll be back. We're plotting. And uh, it's it's great. I mean, it's taking me back to my haunted house roots. But we also try to bring in um, a lot of film elements. So um, there's a lot of sets and a lot of stuff from local productions that winds up in Underhill Haunted House. And uh, a lot of movie memorabilia and stuff like that. So we, we have a lot of fun picking up that stuff and just kind of trying to sneak it in. And if you're in the know you'll see stuff in there that you recognize. Now you were mentioning uh, your past recent past. You've been on the road traveling from one film set to another film set because of COVID restrictions and, and production has been kind of moving around or you've been moving with productions. So COVID has really hit the Los Angeles film industry pretty hard. Yes. Um, so when COVID first started happening, they started doing the shutdowns. Um, what happened is a lot of productions I was slated to work on ended up moving out of LA um, because I bounce back and forth between Portland and LA now. And I started having to go to States like Utah to, to work because Utah was issuing film permits. So it'll be interesting to see how this all breaks down. I, I know they're filming again in LA, but I know that there's still a lot of filming outside of LA for that same reason of just trying to stay away from COVID hotspots or trying to get film permits. So I think this next year is going to be very interesting. I think film will spread out more across the country as people try to find alternative places to film. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if uh, things return into Portland. I, I certainly hope that happens so you can stay closer to, to I would love to be family. at home. <laughs> My family's here, so Portland is very close to home. Um, I've loved working in L.A., though, uh, just meeting new people and um, getting a lot of, you know, a lot of what I got from Grimm was I, I got to meet new people coming into town every week, these these legends that taught me. And, of course, Barney Berman, my boss, who was an amazing mentor while I was on Grimm, um, just it's been great going down to LA and continuing my training and just learning more and more and, and not just being alone in my garage going, why isn't this setting up? Why isn't this mold working? You know, which is pretty much the entire start of my career. <laughs> but um, what, you know, I uh, have what, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm was going to say, what are you working on now? Or do you have anything lined up in the near future or anything that's going to be hitting the screens or, or has hit the screens recently if somebody wanted to go see what you've been doing in the past recent? Well, actually, I did a lot of work for Crypt TV in the last six months, and they're coming out on Facebook. So a lot of people don't know there's, there's a little TV icon on your Facebook application, and that TV icon takes you to Facebook Watch. And if you look up the words Crypt Monster, 
crypt monster, you will find a channel that has all these lovely like horror shorts and horror series. So there, it premiered this last Friday was episode one of Mira Mira, but that just came out. That's a new horror series from Crypt TV that you can see. We did all the special effects for it. And that's, that's going to be a fun one. There's a lot of cool, crazy, wacky stuff in there. So check that out on Facebook watch. Um, there's also Kinderfonger, which is another Crypt TV TV show. And that, um, all the episodes are up for that. So if you want to check that out, that was filmed also in Utah and it's got a really cool monster as well. And finally, later this year, I know that they're going to release season two of The Birch, which is filmed here in Portland. And that's a really great monster as well. All on Crypt TV on Facebook Watch. So you can check it out. If you look up Crypt TV, you can look at it. You can get off their website to the shorts or you can also go through Facebook. Excellent. So that's that's great to hear. Yeah. And the then um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, everything else I can't talk about. <laughs> you could, but you'd, you know, you'd have to hang people if you did. Slap me around. Yeah. There's some, there's some bigger stuff that will come out eventually, but COVID has also put a lot of the projects I've worked on anything bigger on hold. So there's a lot of shows and stuff I can't talk about because they're not out yet. And I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen with them and, uh, with the new COVID movie release schedule, if that makes sense. Yes, of course. I worked with you, uh, well, kind of briefly years ago on a short that was going to be the uh, Guinness Book of World Records most extras in a short film. You remember this? Oh, is that the Portland? It was the Portland zombie? Right. You they grabbed me. Wearing that shirt. You're wearing the shirt. I have the shirt too. I have a white one. Shirt. Uh, I have a, a white shirt. Yeah, they had uh, roughly 3,000 extras from the zomb- from the Portland zombie walk uh, do their own makeup. And then you were doing makeup on some of the, the featured uh, zombies that were going to be close to screen. 3,000 zombies all underneath the Morrison Bridge and in, in the east side of Portland. I was wrangling extras on that movie and uh, or on that short film that I don't believe ever saw the light of day, actually. I think it actually did. I'm not... You know, it's hard when you work in film because you get so busy working, you you lose track of premieres and you lose track of when stuff comes out sometimes. So I'm not, I thought it came out, but I'm not entirely sure. That was actually Jason Collins who was kind enough to bring me in on that. So I yeah, worked I with knew him. They were going to, their plan was to release that and screen that at the next Portland Film Festival. And I, I, uh, something, I, so. I don't... I, I don't believe it screened it. Maybe it did. I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. It was great fun either way. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for joining me, Christina Cordum. Yeah. It's ravenousstudios.com. Find her on Facebook as well, Ravenous Studios. Christina, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been an episode of Times Like Now. Of course, you can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts, times like now. A special thank you to music produced by the letter J, Cody Robertson. My name is Trevor, and you can reach me at trevor at timeslikenow.com. 